Ralph Waldo Emerson and Transcendentalism. We have four key points we want to focus in on for Transcendentalism. First, people have knowledge about themselves and the world around them that goes beyond what they can see, hear, taste, touch, or feel. That's the first point. The second one, knowledge is gained through intuition and imagination, not through logic or sense. The third point, people are their own authority on what is right and wrong. And the fourth, a transcendentalist accepts these ideas, not as beliefs, but as a way of understanding life and relationships. All right, so what we've been focusing on with this entire text, as well as what we've been focusing on with Ralph Walter Emerson, particularly with the text of nature, is that we're trying to understand how a transcendentalist sees the world. And one of those key ideas is that this is not a belief system. I, I know a lot of us wanted to put this or discuss this in the terms of a, as a, of a religion, but we really need to think about it as a way to interpret how we interact with the world itself, which is different. Now, this is not an atheistic mentality. It's, a, it's actually kind of the opposite, considering that Emerson, particularly in what he writes in Nature, focuses on the idea that God is seriously in everything. And that it's not limited to just sort of this general sense of spirituality. It is literally in all beings, things, and its closest connection to humanity is through nature. So let's not sort of go down a rabbit hole of misinformation and just sort of being dismissive of a bigger picture that he's trying to paint here. So transcendentalism centers around this idea that there is something that connects us and if we want to label it the soul, which I think is fair, to the world that's greater than ourselves. So it goes beyond our senses. It's the idea of intuition. So much of our being, we're taught, is going to be how we see the world is going to come from logic and sense. That's how we're, we're naturally inclined. Okay, But what he's saying here, and what a transcendentalist says, and Ralph Waldo Emerson was not the only transcendentalist, is that... The, our best knowledge, our most pure knowledge is gained through intuition and imagination. So as we think about the world and as we see the world, it's not necessarily just our logic and our senses. It's how we're feeling and what our body is telling us. And this gets to that inherent point of what is right and wrong. That our body is going to tell us what is right and wrong in a way that might contradict society. All right. So if something is contradicting society, but our body is telling us this is the right thing to do, or this is the wrong thing to do, it's a perfect sort of storm to sort of explore, particularly with this idea of slavery, right? Ralph Walter Emerson was very, very much against slavery because he would argue, and I feel comfortable saying this, that it naturally feels wrong to dehumanize someone else. So that would be, it speaks to this, and it's probably the best example we can talk about in class, particularly in this American Lit class that's centering around this period of the 18th. Because slavery was accepted in a social manner, it was accepted in a societal manner, it was accepted in a cultural manner. But he would argue, and transcendentalists would argue, that internally, a person would know that slavery was in fact wrong, 
that dehumanizing someone else in a way that would take to the limit of enslavement would not be something that would naturally feel correct. So this idea that you know what is right or wrong, you're the authority based off of how you're feeling and your emotional attachment speaks to this childish sense of awe that he believes is the key to being well-centered and grounded both spiritually and from just a human, from a humanity aspect. Okay. So a couple of things to consider before we wrap this up, and I wanted to keep this brief just so this was a quick little note for you is as we consider what he's discussing here, particularly with nature, is that as society tells us what is right and wrong, as what is culturally produced drives us towards different wants and needs, that influence is something that, for the most part, is seen as a negative to a transcendentalist. Because the further we get away from that sort of pure sense of self that is deeply connected and rooted in nature, the further we get away from that childlike wonder that he discusses in nature, the more lost we become, our inability to see nature for what it is, rather than just sort of not being open-minded anymore and distracted by what society has told us to focus on, instructed us to, and how we exist. So I want you to consider this, that the further we get removed from nature, there's a level of unhappiness that will raise up and rise in a human. That's sort of where we're headed with this. I think that's something to consider and think about. That in its purest form, that connection to nature, that isn't being sort of top-down, this is what society is telling you to think, feel, and believe, is ultimately where Emerson's headed with this idea of nature in his essay, as well as what a transcendentalist would think and feel. So it's not perfect, right? I'm not uh, the ultimate authority on this. I think all this is up for discussion. But you do not become the transparent eyeball which Emerson talks about. We talked about this in class and showed the quote and some of the cartoons and things that people have done without being completely submerged into the state of nature. That as we get older, as people accept more responsibility, as people get further and further away from that childlike imagination is something that we have to understand is at the heart of this entire experience. So there's a lot to consider with nature. We're, we're not going to go through all of it. Remember, we, we just did the first essay. We went over the detailed bullet points of transcendentalism, and we're going to continue to look at this and see how it impacts particularly the viewpoint of slavery, why this didn't become as widespread as maybe it could have, what makes a transcendentalist so difficult or a transcendentalist-like life to live? Why is it so difficult, both in the 1830s and currently a difficult way to live? How we can incorporate aspects of this style of seeing the world to improve our day-in, day-out existence. I think all those are fair experiments, 
questions to explore. And we're going to continue this over the next couple of days.